So I'd like to begin just to make sure that you can hear the sound of my voice back there. Is that is that working? Good. Okay. And to begin with a few announcements. Uh, Shelley will be sitting in on some practice meetings this morning. And if you feel uh, comfortable with it, it's a, it's a, a great help and support for their continued learning. And at the same time, if you feel uncomfortable about that for any reason, it is completely okay. Just let uh, the teacher that Shelley's with uh, know, and Shelley would be happy to, to step out. Uh, so either way is fine, depending upon what, what works for you. Also, uh, just a reminder to <clears throat> take care of yourself. It is good to continue to do a tick check. And it is true, it's getting cold. They can't wander around as much when it's as cold. And it's a good way to take care of ourselves, to remember that as well. And then I'd like to just take time with one question and then go into the morning practice discussions for today. The question is, if I don't choose when mindfulness arises then how can I rely on it to be there when I really need it in my normal life? So a couple things. Um, I just want to point out, at least for me, when I uh, read into this, my life would be so much easier if I could choose when mindfulness is there. And it would be so great if it was always reliable. Why, to come, why come to a three-month retreat, right? Like, it's a reliable thing that's always there, and I can choose it. So the, the first thing I want to point out is, it's like, unfortunately, maybe this is the bad news, it's like any other experience, it's like any other state of mind. It's unreliable. It is. And yet, it's wholesome, it's onward-leading, And so I learned the skill of nurturing this quality of heart, this quality of mind, of of mindfulness. And this is, for me at least, so much the art of retreat practice. uh, Two things are happening. I'm getting a deeper, deeper sense of the uncontrollability of experience, even mindfulness. And at the same time, and this is really important, at the same time, I'm learning how to cultivate, how to nurture something that's uncontrollable, I'm getting a sense of the conditions that allow mindfulness to arise more often. That's what it is to be a yogi, is to learn those conditions, how to nurture them in the fluid flowing quality of of experience. So yeah, I can't control it, but I can influence it. This is what I learned, how to influence experience. Can't completely control Ah, but here's the art of influence. Getting a sense of what are the conditions that allow mindfulness to arise more often. So in the commentaries, it's great to give the proximate cause, the proximate condition. One is, sounds a little ridiculous, but there is a point to it. One of the proximate causes is mindfulness, in particular the four foundations of mindfulness. And you might have noticed this. When mindfulness starts to have a momentum, it is more likely to show up. So it's conditioning that to happen again and again and again. And this is what it is to shape the heart and mind. I'm, I'm leaning into, I'm orienting uh, the heart and mind to particular mind states so that they can arise more often. This is, this is the whole art of, of this, is learning that. And then the other proximate cause is strong perception. And the way we've been sharing about this is you can see noting that we've been talking about, whether it's a mental label or just the noticing of what's going on, the perception of what's going on reinforces mindfulness. So a note is a kind of perception. Oh, this is thinking, hearing, planning, joy. And you might notice that it helps reinforce mindfulness arising. 
And then you might discover other conditions. When, when I can have a sense of ease, a sense of relaxation, mindfulness has more of a tendency to be there. When I'm super hooked, that has not been a good condition for mindfulness arising. But I can start to bring in these other conditions when that's arising so that I can be there. And the beautiful thing about this is, is I get to step out of, I'm doing this. It's just this activity of planting seeds and then noticing what comes from that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, mindfulness does grow a little bit. I can't control it, but I can influence it. So for this morning... You know, the particular way of practicing meditation that we've been pointing out in the morning instructions, it's really simple. Bringing mindfulness to present moment experience. That's been the emphasis, the thrust. And offering these very basic instructions of having some kind of anchor for your meditation, the breath or sounds or the body, or in walking meditation, maybe it's the soles of the feet as, as you're doing walking meditation. And then when the attention, it gets pulled away from the anchor. So it's not just a wispy thought in the background. It gets pulled into another experience. Then that can become the new object of mindfulness. It's okay to linger there with a sound or a sensation or an emotion Maybe it's a little what I call after-the-fact mindfulness thinking has been happening, but then you pause, you notice, oh, remembering, fantasizing. Maybe you feel the emotion that's underneath that, joy, calm, agitation, and you're with that. And then when it decreases or maybe just continues, you, you come back to the anchor. And we've been pointing to this through, you know, these these frames we've been giving you, sensations in the body, the framework of, of also the elements or thoughts and emotions and Vedana, the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral aspect of experience. Noticing intention, chaitna, and even using some kind of framework like the, the hindrances. So I want to point out the important thing to all of this is how I'm paying attention. How am I paying attention? With mindfulness. That's the aspiration here. So we're shaping, we're influencing to allow that to arise. What I'm paying attention, what I'm paying attention to can be in this whole range of what we've been talking about. And it's not like one thing is better to be mindful of than another thing. Being mindful of the breath is one thing, but being mindful of another sensation, being mindful of hearing, is just as good as being mindful of the breath. Being mindful of the activity of seeing is just as good as being mindful of an emotion arising and passing away. Because what's foundational is how, the how I'm paying attention, namely with Mindfulness with presence. This morning, the practice instruction is simple. It's it's quite simple because we're just taking out one piece of the instructions, setting aside, which is uh, setting aside needing to anchor. So it's... uh, letting go of this preference to an anchor. And then it's just resting and just noticing where the attention goes. Maybe the most predominant thing it kind of lands on is hearing sounds right now. Then a sensation. Then a emotion. Feel that. Another sensation. There's no longer coming back to the anchor 
And of course, maybe the attention lingers or directs itself to the anchor. Maybe all of a sudden the breath is, that's your anchor, kind of comes back to that and lingers there. And the quality that helps for me around this is it's just like resting and noticing, resting and mindfulness. Like the Pali word that is repeated often in the four foundations of mindfulness uh, is uh, viharati, to abide. Like as in, uh, it's the verb form of the Pali word uh, vihara or vihara, the Brahma viharas. That's an abode of Brahma. Oh, here's my abode, just resting in mindfulness. And it can feel like a home. Just to rest there. In one sutta, the, the Buddha likens mindfulness to one's ancestral home. It's a story about a quail. And the quail, they find their real home, protective home. Just coming home. Abide there. And it can be helpful to begin what we'll do when, when I take you through this meditation is just to begin with the activity of hearing. What I love about hearing is it gives me a sense of surrender where I'm just allowing sounds to come and go. And when there's some stability to the mind, you might notice, oh, there's something so easeful about this. I don't have to do anything. It's even right now, you might get that taste of that. Oh, oh, the sound of my voice. Oh, it's just arising. And then it passes away. It's just that. It's just resting there and being mindful. A nuance to choiceless attention, just following the attention wherever it goes, is at times, I want to say at times, it can be helpful just to linger, even for a few seconds, to whatever the new, quote-unquote, object of your meditation is. Lingering with hearing for a while, and then it gets pulled into a sensation, let's say. And then I just allow, it's like allowing allowing myself to just linger with that experience a little bit, to really take it in. And then it gets pulled to something else and then lingering a little bit. And yes, at other times this might not fit. Sometimes the attention is moving so quickly and and mindfulness can be so bright and strong that it's it's really catching experience where the lingering might not, not... Uh, fit so much. So to be uh, flexible around this. Another thing to maybe keep in mind is that in meditation, I'm not trying to catch every moment of experience. Maybe you're not like me. I remember trying to do this. Like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to do it now. Like, I'm going to really be mindful every moment. And what I notice comes with that is just tightness of the mind. I don't need to catch, try to catch every moment. I'm just noticing where attention goes to and then resting there, noticing whatever the mind notices. And trusting that. It's really trusting. Mindfulness will do its work. It will bring wisdom. You you can trust that. It can allow for more ease when I'm, I'm not trying to catch every single moment. And yes, a kind of 
inclining towards continuity of practice and frequency of mindfulness is good, but in an easeful way. Also about this, uh, the instructions on choiceless attention, to remember that uh, practicing with an anchor in your meditation, it's a good way of practicing. And practicing without an anchor, it's a really good way of practicing. One isn't better than the other. Because sometimes what gets entangled with this is sometimes there are these notions that really good meditators practice choiceless attention. Or it could be opposite. Really good meditators practice with an anchor. Actually, really good meditators practice in a way that's appropriate for the context that's arising. What I mean by this is when can you get a sense of when choiceless attention is the thing that feels like it fits? For me, and I want to say this can be quite different for different minds. For me, when the mind is really scattered, I find it really helpful just to go back to an anchor. Really helpful. For other practitioners... It can actually be the opposite, that when the mind's really scattered, just allowing there not to be an anchor sometimes allows the, the, the attention to get uh, stabilized again. What is it for you? What do you discover? And if you're, you're confused about all of this, you know, becoming, starting to become aware of when to use an anchor and when to not, not use an anchor, sometimes it's, it's great just to take some time with choiceless attention. Just, it could be in the next few days you spend each, each morning just practicing choiceless attention to get a feeling sense of that. Oh, what's this like for my mind and all these different experiences that arise? And that's going to help clarify when it feels appropriate to explore that. And also, I find it helpful if, if, I should say, if you find yourself confused about what to choose, if the confusion arises, just to have a deal with yourself that whenever there's confusion, just go back to an anchor. So there's not a lot of time of like, should I do this way of practicing or that way of practicing? To keep it simple in terms of that. Yeah, so it's this whole realm of practicing, exploring, experimenting. And then, of course, bring it to your teacher if you need support around this. Share what you're, you're discovering and have a conversation if you need some help clarifying when to engage in this and when not to. So if you haven't already, I invite you to allow your attention to come inward. And I invite you to begin with allowing for a sense of ease and relaxation in the body. Maybe that's loosening the jaw or dropping the shoulders. Or relaxing the hands.
or maybe allowing the pelvic floor to settle, to settle downward and to open as a way of settling into right now. And you might want to begin with the activity of hearing just for a short while. The sound of my voice. the sound of the heater, Surrendering, opening. Resting in that home of simply being mindful. And now, just noticing where does the attention go next? Where is the attention right now?
where is the attention right now? If the mind was lost in thought, there might be just a little bit of after the fact mindfulness. Or planning was happening. Oh, there's a little sense of worry, maybe lingering with the felt sense of that. And then just notice where the attention goes after that. And right now, where's the attention? And you might want to be sensitive to how is the mind relating to whatever the attention is upon.
As you move into the walking meditation, this might be another round to explore uh, this approach of choiceless attention. For me, um, I do find when I'm doing really slow walking meditation, there's such an associative link in my mind of having the anchor being the soles of the feet that I just stick with that if I'm doing really slow walking meditation. If I'm more interested in more of this choiceless attention, sometimes I'll allow myself, if I'm walking back and forth, to have a, a, a bit faster pace. Uh, just to, it, it seems to support this a little more openness. And then going for a walk and practicing choiceless attention, I find to be so rich. And remember, it's going to feel different. When I'm walking, the, for most of us, if you're sighted, the, uh, the predominant uh, sense gate is seeing. So just noticing that you know, the, the attention is going to collect a lot around the activity of seeing, which is okay, just noticing that as it, as it, as it takes its course you know, through experience. And then in the in-between times, I find that that's often the predominant, really quite easeful way of practicing kind of in-between meditation in the in-between times of just what's, what's most predominant? Where is the attention going and lingering a little bit, whether it's uh, reaching or grabbing or turning or opening a door to linger with the, 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 where the attention is? And then lastly, just to repeat, um, there's nothing like super special about this. It's just one other way of meditating. If, if, if there's something really alive about having an anchor for your meditations, to stick with that, it's, it's really, it's onward leading. And others of you might find that something else starts to arise with, with the choiceless attention that's that feels uh, onward leading. So really get a sense for yourself. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.